We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCrady. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to another edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, I'm joined by Jason Ratcliffe, who founded the 64 Analytics site that took the college baseball world by storm this summer. I'll talk to Jason about his story, some of his experiences this summer, and get his thoughts on the work a number of college baseball teams, including Ole Miss, did in the transfer portal this summer. First, let me tell you about Comer and Southern. They've got different names, but they've got the same great people, same great products, same great services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer at 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, South Haven, that area, get in touch with the people at Southern, 662-429-4429. This will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast as we uh, go live here on this Friday morning. Be up in podcast form a little later in the day. Uh, the Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford, great place to uh, stop in. If you're on your way in or out of Oxford, you can fill up your vehicle and also fill yourself up. Uh, great snacks, beer selection, sodas, all that stuff there at the Oxford Exxon. It's part of Blue Sky. If you're in uh, Clinton, Brookhaven, don't forget you can get those fresh daily made donuts at the Blue Sky locations in Clinton and Brookhaven, and more of those coming soon to other Blue Skies soon. Don't forget at the Oxford Exxon, wet ribs, dry ribs, let that make your uh, summer weekends going to be a hot one out there. Instead of uh, slaving over the um, over the, the grill, you can uh, you can hang out at the, uh, just hang out at your pool, hang out in your backyard, and enjoy the wet ribs or the dry ribs made at the Oxford Exxon. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. 662-257-1900 is that number. Uh, give Corey Clark a call. Tell Corey what Ford products you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. Great service, great products. The people at uh, Clark Ford want to be your car guy. 
they want to be your truck guy, they'll prove to you what that means when you make the call, 662-257-1900. We'll have recruiting coverage at uh, Rebel Grove throughout the weekend. I'll be out there a little later today for uh, for that, a little bit of recruiting on Saturday as well, and then uh, 10 weekend thoughts will be to you on Sunday at rebelgrove.com, and then uh, football coverage starts next week. But uh, for today, the focus, a little bit of conversation about uh, college baseball. And again, here's Jason Ratcliffe, who founded 64 Analytics. Jason Ratcliffe of 64 Analytics joins. And Jason, before we get into this, I have to imagine that uh, just hearing that still sounds sort of new and and crazy to you, given just that this is such a new venture and it kind of came out of nowhere. And um, it's got to feel a little surreal that people like me are kind of hitting you up and, and talking to you about your story. It's really, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head of, you said, my name of... And then you effectively just said my hobby. So <laughs> I, I don't really consider myself associated with it more. I just thought it was a neat idea because I liked basketball and baseball and both of the tournaments have 64 entrants. So I was like, oh, that'll be kind of clever. I've always liked 538. So I was like, well, let's try to see if I can do something that sounds somewhat along that same uh, realm. And it just kind of materialized. So I don't really see it of myself as, hey, this is my identity and this is who I am. It's more of, it's just a hobby that literally over the past 30 days has gone crazy. So let's, let's get to the genesis of this. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that you and and your, uh, your wife just had a child uh, about three months ago. And so you had some, you had some paternity leave and um, Mm -hmm. babies are busy, but babies sleep a lot and they, um, you know, and there's, they, they, they eat and they sleep and they, you know, do stuff, but for the most part, babies when they're that age, they're sleeping a lot. And you want to, you want to be with them when they're awake, obviously, but they sleep a lot. So you do have some free time. And um, what was, how did this kind of come about? What take me through the the process? Yeah, so I mean, it kind of started in twenty twenty one. I started this Twitter page uh, summer twenty twenty one. So I'm an Arkansas fan. Just as a little backstory for those. And there's uh, Andrew Hutchinson. He used to work for Rivals. Uh, great yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, so we really enjoyed the draft. And he uh, is a spreadsheet nerd, a little bit like myself. And we were kind of going back and forth on the draft. And I just felt to myself, man, like there's so much information out there that if we just tabulated this, we could, I think people would enjoy it. And so we kind of went back and forth. And I was like, well, I'll just have fun with this. And so at the beginning, really all I was doing was just kind of adding in items for the draft and it kind of materialized from there wax and waned but at that point the portal had just kind of started so i started working on some databases and i was just kind of tinkering and really there was an entity that provides portal coverage and i thought it could be better and so i actually reached out to that entity and i was like hey 2021 i was like hey i really would like to help you all because i think there's so much potential here um, I know I'm a nobody. I, I, literally, I think I had like 10 followers if quantification means nothing, but they probably saw that I was just some random person, which I was. And so I said, hey, you know, would you like to, you know, would you like some help with this? Because I think I could help. 
again, good with databases, like sports, et cetera. And so I effectively already had it built. Um, I had been working on it and I kind of like tinkered with it. But then honestly, uh, I wasn't really enjoying my job in 21. Got a new job in 2022, loved it, really took off. And if you kind of, you can quickly scroll through my page because I don't have many tweets. You'll see about a two year gap where I just did nothing uh, because I just kind of lost interest. And it felt like I was talking to myself, which in effect I was. And so I was like, you know, this, while it's a hobby, while it's fun, it doesn't really feel like it's manifesting in anything. So I stopped. And then in 23, literally a month ago, I reached out again to that entity, said, hey, still think you guys could do better with the portal. I'd love to help. Let me know if you're interested. And they effectively said, you know, our data team's working on it. We're not really interested. So I said, okay, no issues. So I just put it out there. It was like the last day. And I just said, hey, it's the last day of the season. Here's my portal document. I've been working on it. I think it's helpful. Let me know if y'all would be interested. And it just organically grew like crazy. So that was the 26th of June that I just kind of put the tweet out that said, hey, everybody, here's by everybody meant literally 80 people. I think it was 80 people. <laughs> I think there was two coaches. And yeah. I, I don't know how. I, I I don't know if one coach just kind of told another and it just, it's like a virus that uh, replicated without stop. But it went from two coaches, June of 26th. So I was trying to quantify it this morning prior to this. And so I've had 48 that have reached out and 28 that I've had like in-depth conversations with. Um, so in 30 days, it's gone from I'm talking to a wall to I'm literally having coaches saying, hey, we're looking for an outfielder. Please tell me who we should contact. It's incredible. So I stumbled across it because I don't cover baseball for our site. Chase Parham does. But Ole Miss obviously was going into the portal season or whatever it is that we call the portal season. I, I, there's the tampering portal. Then you have the, the, the transfer portal and you yeah. have all that stuff. And Ole Miss obviously coming off the national championship had a, a very bad season and there was a lot of turnover on their roster. And you knew that, hey, they're going to have to have a pretty big and pretty deep portal splash yep. to try to rebuild their roster. and so. I told myself, you know, we're going to be talking about this on the podcast. I need to educate myself. I don't need to just let Chase sit there and tell me about some dude that, that they're recruiting. I mean, we're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And so, and then I started talking to some other people in media or whatever. And the more that I talked to people, the more that I was like, this baseball portal's crazy. That's, I mean, the football, the football portal's idiotic and the yeah. basketball portal's sort of stupid, but maybe the baseball portal is even crazier. Um, because there's so many people in it and there's so many programs and all of that stuff. And then I noticed that you, I, I guess I saw you do the, the dot dump and yep. I looked at it the first time and I was like, man, that just looks like a bunch of names and numbers. And then as the next few days went on, I saw you start to start to sort of adapt it. And you were basically breaking news as to where guys were going. And I, you, you caught my attention with uh, some of the the analysis of Andrew Fisher, the the Duke third baseman who transferred to Ole Miss. And then mm -hmm. I was watching just some of the big names that we were all kind of watching to see what those guys did. And you were kind of ahead of the curve on where guys were going. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to kind of start following this guy. And 
then I could tell because I'm a journalist, I could tell that you were talking to people that, that you were, you were talking to the players. You were obviously had contacts in coaching that sort of developed out of the blue. And to my knowledge, you don't really have any journalism background. And, so, and so I'm wondering as that was unfolding, kind of, how did you, how did you handle the reporting part of it that you did where people I'm, I'm assuming are telling you some things in confidence? So I, honestly, I never really considered myself to try to be an individual who thought of it as journalism, more of as a hobby that I was just trying to provide uh, a resource for individuals. So initially, it was more of, hey, I think this is unique. To your point, uh, the baseball portal is a mess. So the, the nice thing about uh, at least basketball and football to a sense is there's a kind of a symbiotic calendar to where, hey, uh, season's over, you know, you have the draft and you have the portal and then there's this long layover and you have the coaches have this extensive amount of period to ultimately uh, addition, subtraction for the ma the roster management. It's kind of that general manager aspect. Baseball, you don't have that. Uh, you basically have uh, Omaha ends uh, at the end of June and then you have uh, the draft, which is a couple weeks later. But in that time period, you have uh, literally thousands of people hitting the portal. You have freshmen that you're trying to decide whether you're going to keep or not. And that's, and then you have like trying to understand if you're going to keep your players. So there's this constant math all within an umbrella of 11.7 scholarships. So it, it's this madhouse. And so it's this massive game of musical chairs. So within that, I never thought of myself as, hey, I'm going to be providing some sort of news coverage and I will be reporting whom this individual is going to. It was more of like, this is a database. Hey, if you're interested, here's a database. And within that, uh, I had players reaching out. I had coaches reaching out. A lot of the time, the players were wanting to let me know, like, hey, I'm in it or hey, like, this is where I'm going. And coming from that were a couple who basically said, this is where I will be going. And I was like, well, that's really cool. Like, I, don't worry, I'm not going to say anything because I didn't have anyone to tell. Again, I was effectively talking to myself. And so I was like, well, you know, that's great. Thanks for telling me. And I just kind of kept it on the back burner and I would, wasn't going to say anything. And really kind of from that, it materialized. Um, and you know, I've had coaches, players reaching out or uh, uh, players, parents reaching out, which was really neat. Um, and like getting their kind of backstory and understanding like the process and so it's it's been fun, but I almost kind of see myself more as just someone who's providing a resource rather than someone who's trying to provide breaking news. Yeah, like I said, it's it's really fascinating. Um, I'm curious in those conversations, and not I don't I don't I'm not gonna ask anybody specifically, but I'm I'm I am fascinated, and I know my listeners, readers are fascinated at and at all these sites that are like mine. Do you get a sense of obviously nil? is a major player in these decisions in the portal, especially with the top line guys. Do you get a sense of how high the numbers have gone in the baseball portal? Like what, what kind of different level players are getting in the portal? So I feel like it would be unwise of me to speculate on numbers. Um, I would say that I've heard of numbers, but everything is hearsay. So uh, there are numbers that have been thrown out in the six figures, but and though for those individuals, I think you're talking about upper echelon players. But again, I can't really speak upon those comments because it's not something that I've heard firsthand. If if anything, it would be second, third hand of 
one coach saying, yeah, we won't be going after that player because we assume he'll be worth X. So it's not that my understanding of there's this uh, communication from individuals that, hey, in order for me to go here, it needs to be uh, this dollar amount for me to sign on the dotted line. I, I, I don't think it's that. Uh, honestly, you look at baseball as a whole. I mean, you have maybe, what, 30, 40 programs that are profitable. So you're talking about, I don't know, uh, 3% of college baseball, if you look at D1 through D3, is effectively profitable. So even though NIL, I think, is very real, and it'd be silly to think of it as this ghost that people think of and it's not actually real, I, I don't think it's as pervasive in baseball as it is as perhaps others. People love rankings, right? And and so you, you're, you were trying to – I know one of the things I, I kind of – watched was how open you were to hey feed me criticism of of my model i mean tear it apart because i want to get it right and then it felt like you started getting some legitimate feedback from people actually in the in the kind of the coaching industry as to hey here's how maybe you ought to think about weighting this level of competition and, and that kind of thing how hard was it to um i don't think it was difficult for you to to accept the criticism because you were asking for it how hard was it to try to continue to update your your formula, if you will, in, in, when you were ranking players? The difficult thing is it's a live document. And so, in effect, to update, I'm sure others have, if they're looking at the document, they've probably seen me in there messing with it. So, you know, in order to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. And so I'm sure people have seen shells on the ground and they're like, what is this guy doing? So my assumption is it's been a little messy at times, but there are two instances that kind of, you know, come to mind. Um, Canon Peebles, I was talking with a Tennessee individual and he was like, Hey, I think Peebles should be better than Fisher. Ironically, old miscommit. And I was like, well, I I don't know why you think that. And, and he was going on and on. And honestly, after a point, I kind of agreed with him. So uh, there's a section of the document that's actually hidden that uh, is weighted. And so what I did was when I summed the numbers, I weighted certain items. And my first inclination was, hey, if I'm a coach, what I want is someone that has the most ABs or the most innings pitched or basically the most experience. So I weighted that pretty heavily. And what I found was (laughs) probably weighted it too heavily. And from that, it made it to where it was a little wonky. So I want to say probably a weekend, I adjusted it just enough and it flipped quite a bit. And so it didn't drop Fisher too much lower because he's got great numbers. He's in the 93rd percentile from a statistics standpoint in D1, but he had 208 plate appearances in comparison to people who had only 172. So it was this back and forth trying to understand of how am I quantifying it and do people agree? And the second time was actually with TCU. So Peyton Toll, Wichita State transfer, uh, incredible player. And I thought I had him too low. I had him like 20th, something like that. And I found myself saying, I'm only quantifying one of his skills. I'm not quantifying the fact that he is a two-way player. And so ultimately what I did is I added a two-way player adjustment. So I've been messing with it dependent upon if people make good enough arguments. I'm like, well, that sounds like a great idea. I'll try to incorporate. So, I mean, if at times I have turned it into a Frankenstein-like document, but I've tried to keep it as still streamlined as possible. Um, what will you, 
when when paternity leave is over and you 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 go back full-time to your full-time job is this something now that you've caught the bug and this is something you're going to keep doing or is it going to be harder to maintain it so i mean right now it's it's actually over so within the past few weeks it's ended and really that's why if if you look on my twitter feed it's a lot quieter because i i have a full-time job and this is a hobby this is not something i foresee as a job for me in the interim or in the future for me it's more of just something that i enjoy um, I mean, it may be something in which, you know, a pie in the sky, uh, Ken Palm for baseball would be like a, a quantitative thought. Of, hey, can I try to make this to where it's easily accessible for the Joe Schmo out there who just wants to look at data and wants to look at it in a simplified manner of, you know, offensive efficiency versus defensive efficiency and given some sort of metric to rank teams as a whole it's a lot harder in baseball because you have 3x the amount of teams and you have outdoor fields and the temperatures and then you have midweek pitchers versus weekend pitchers there's a lot of like differentiations that would make it harder but pie in the sky i think that would be fun but right now that's again it's just a hobby you went to baylor you played a little baseball at the club level right yep, yep. has this uh has this scratched the itch of i mean we we all grow out of being able to play but sometimes we all sort of daydream about our days when we got to play does this give you just a little bit of a of a i don't know a little drug hit of your old baseball days uh, that I, I would definitely say it's been fun to talk the sport again because you you know i'm i'm, I'm on rivals so I, I enjoy talking sports it's it's a lot of fun you have the camaraderie of other individuals who enjoy your team uh, it's fun to talk with the other teams because you'll even though amidst the sea of individuals who are just interested in uh, one-upping others there's always you know a lot of really unique people who have great viewpoints and add a lot of really neat insight into the sport and so it's been fun to kind of tap into that resource pretty aggressively because the individuals I've been talking with are those that are at the highest level I uh, I'm I, I, I don't want to name drop at all so apologies for that so, like within a few days of starting this, uh, Virginia's head coach called uh, O'Connor. I don't. I think it's O'Connor. I'm trying. Apologies. Uh, I, I can't remember right. his. I think that's right. Think um, that's just like got into the Hall of Fame this year. Like great coach, and he basically said like, "This is crazy. Who are you?" And now at that point, I only had like seven. <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know, man. Like I'm just having fun." And uh, he asked for my number. I called him, and we just talked a little bit. And so it went from me talking to Andrew, which no, again, Andrew, apologies if you're listening, and no uh, comment to his acumen to the sport, which is obviously incredible. But it went from that to talking to head coaches of programs in Omaha yeah. pretty much overnight. That's just, that's such a cool story. I love it. Um, you've, you've gotten to, you're, I saw your rankings, your updated, uh, Portal class rankings. You've got Georgia number one, yeah. Ole Miss number two, which is good news for the people here because they knew they really had to jump into the portal. Uh, Arkansas three, Florida State four. Again, it's just a lot of SEC. South Carolina five, Kentucky six, Texas A and M eight. And Texas A and M could they could jump up because they still might get Montgomery, which is the the big name that's still out there. Um, Tennessee's 11, Auburn's 12. I mean, the SEC, uh, Alabama's 14. The SEC is just going to continue to be a beast. Um, mm -hmm. Give me your, give me your thoughts on, on 
the guys that Ole Miss added, obviously coming off a six and twenty four season, they they needed and losing a number one draft pick and a number two draft pick. They they lost talent off this roster. What 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 can you tell people about the guys that they add? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. But, you know, the interesting thing about the portal is it's effectively, it's an attrition addition math problem. And with Ole Miss, you had quite a bit of attrition. So they're one of the teams that had the most volume of transfers. So there were 15 individuals. But if you look, none of those individuals are actually in the top 10%. And by what I mean by top 10% is there are approximately 2,500 players in the portal. So the top 250 players. So if you were to go through that, all 15 of those individuals, either based upon their the uh, stats that they put into 2023 or their high school or their major league baseball potential quantified, they didn't hit the top 10%. So what I see is a team that effectively lost individuals that were perhaps associated with pieces, but not really like the integral part of the team. And then you see that some of the transfer gets from last year are coming back. So I think you kind of see a combination of a, a few different things for Ole Miss. Um, obviously, if you're <laughs> number two, you're doing great. And I, it, you have literally no one else to look up to besides Georgia. And that's predominantly because Georgia has gone a little crazy with the portal in a good way. Um, uh, they have, I think, 14 commits. It's, it's 
pretty wild and at a pretty good average as well. But I mean, you look at Ole Miss, uh, Kyle Carmack. Uh, so he's uh, Arkansas State, probably one of the best pitchers in the portal. And also, he has a he hit a little bit at Arkansas State, which I was not aware of until I started uh, working on this. I know he's a guy who could have gone anywhere. Liam Doyle, uh, he's a top 20 pitcher for Coastal Carolina. Another guy could have gone anywhere. Andrew Fisher was the number one player for me for a while yeah. until really you had, you know, Burns and Montgomery, a couple of these individuals who were like, why are they jumping into the portal that jumped into the portal? So I, I think, you know, if you ask me, what does this look like for Ole Miss's projection for the future? I would say you got two great pitchers, which based upon the health of your returning pitchers would be paramount. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm trying to remember the, the lefty freshman Elliot. from y'all's Elliot. Yeah. yeah. What's his, what does he look like from the post Tommy John? Uh, does he come back, you know, the same skill level that he was as a true freshman? You know, you, you had a uh, Connor prelip for Alabama. He had Tommy John his freshman year and he effectively didn't pitch again for the next couple of years before he got drafted. So you almost have to think like, well, what does our rotation look like? But from a, from a, in the field perspective, you got three guys who are all over 200 plate appearances with elite stats, especially like Trace and Hughes from Mercer. Uh, so if, if you look at the document, it's a stat rank and it says 0.997. That's a, it's a statistical rank of the individual within D1. So that means Trayson had 99.7%. He was the 99.7th percentile of D1 individuals for offense rank. So not, not many better. So it's, it definitely looks like the pieces are there. Yeah. Tennessee ranked like uh 12th, I think. And yet they've got three of the top seven or eight players in the, in your rankings. How did, how did mm -hmm. that take me through that? If you would. Yeah, absolutely. So this was, uh, you were talking about how individuals were providing feedback. And this was one of the things that honestly I struggled the most with, because at the beginning I, I quantified it by your top five players. And so I said, Hey, it doesn't matter if you've got 10 commits, I'm only going to sum the top five. And from that top five, I'm going to rank it uh, uh, similar to what other ranking institutions do. They only, I think rivals does the, for football, they only look at the top 20. Yeah, and then right. I'm tr yeah. So right. effectively I tried to mimic that a little bit and I was trying to think of, okay, well, what would the number be that would effectively provide the best uh, ranking? And so initially I came out with five and it felt like it was going pretty well until Georgia just literally started. They have nine top 10% individuals. So while they don't have um, a lot of the top 25 players, they have nine within the top 250. So it was, it was like, okay, well, how do I provide um, a level of clarity associated with the work they're doing for quantity combined with quality while still having individuals like Tennessee up there from a quality perspective because they they are the and that's one of the columns is associated with average if you look at their average it's 96 percentile meaning of their five commits they're all in that top four percent of the portal so they have incredible players as you mentioned but they only have five so I was really trying to highlight teams like Georgia that may not have, you know, three of the top 10 or three of the top 15, whatever uh, Tennessee has and highlight that they have 
nine of the top 250. It, it, it was a balance. Um, it was a Vanderbilt uh, beat reporter that kind of like was providing comments of, hey, this is what I would do. And, you know, I listened to her and said, okay, I'll, I'll make those adjustments. And I, I don't know if it's mainly because I was getting feedback from Georgia fans or whatnot, but it seemed to at least get some sort of positive uh, feedback. You know, Georgia was the one of the interesting teams because not just following your work, but just in general in the portal, when I started trying to kind of just in my spare time, dig around with whether it was media people or people that I sort of knew around the game, like who's, who's pretty active in the, in the portal. And people kept saying, man, Georgia's really active. Like Georgia's uh, come up with some NIL and they've got a plan and they're going to really attack this. And, and, and uh, sure enough, that, that came to fruition. How much better did Georgia make itself for next season? Uh, not only did they make themselves better, what big thing that's not quantified in this is they kept Condon. Like probably going to be a top five player when he's all done at Georgia. They kept a guy that most people looked at as soon as the head coach was fired, said that guy's going portal. Everyone was like, oh, LSU just got their new right fielder. It's pretty much what everyone was thinking as soon as Georgia lost their head coach. So you have addition and you have maintenance of players that ultimately, I mean, Wes Johnson's a great guy. Um, so again, a, a little bias in that, but he's an old Arkansas guy, old Arkansas pitching coach, uh, went to Minnesota, then he went back to LSU. Now he's at Georgia. He's uh, an infectious personality. So it doesn't surprise me that they're doing as well as they are. Uh, Georgia is one of the schools that I've talked with. And actually I asked their coach, I said, you know, what are you telling to your players? Because you have effectively brought in uh, an entire team's worth of good players. And he said, you know, the players knew, yeah, quote, the guys knew we needed to get some talented players in here. Everyone is excited. So I, I think knowing Wes, they're probably just being very transparent of we want to get better. This is how we get better. Do you expect Braden Montgomery to end up at Texas A&M? There's obviously a lot of interest in him here at, at Missis in Mississippi because of his ties to Mississippi State, and he's from Mississippi, and a lot of people at State, I think, when he jumped in the portal, thought, hey, we just landed the big fish, and then there was a lot of LSU talk, and it seems like most of the buzz now is sort of centered on Texas A&M. What do you expect there? So I, I'll preface with a lot of this is just my opinion, and so I don't want to, like – act as if I'm trying to uh, provide some breaking news as associated with that. I, th I think there's a number of variables that point him towards Texas A&M. Um, if I were to say, like, is Mississippi State in it? Absolutely. I mean, he's from Mississippi. Um, but I, I also think going back to Stanford is a very real possibility. So I, if I were to pick right now, yeah, I would say Texas A&M. Um, I think there are a few reasons for that. And I I think probably some personal as well. I think his girlfriend is at Texas A&M. Yeah. So I think uh, there's some things that definitely when you look at it from a 35,000 foot level, you say, okay, well, they need an outfield bat. They perhaps need some assistance with their pen or with even their starting rotation, perhaps. He's got uh, some emotional ties to the university. It seems like there are a lot of indicators that are pointing to this makes a good decision. So I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, put money on it if I was in Vegas, but I would definitely, if someone asked me for my opinion, that's what I would say is Texas A&M. The other kind of still 
uncommitted guy, if you will, is Luke Coleman. When he first came out, there was a lot of Arkansas buzz, and there's there's been less Arkansas buzz, especially since Arkansas got Mason Molina from uh, Texas Tech, and now there's kind of some LSU buzz on Holman, which would be ironic since he was the guy that got scratched that day in Baton Rouge that led to the scandal at Alabama, um, all that stuff that would be sort of ironic in a way if he ended up pitching for LSU. And then I know Mississippi State's involved in that as well. Can you shed any light on what you expect there? So uh, I'll probably echo a little bit uh, of what D1 Baseball said, and they assume that he's probably going to LSU. So I, if, if you would have asked me three, four days ago, I would have said Mississippi State. Um, I, so he's, he's an individual that's been in the portal for quite a while. He was one of the earlier entrants. So I think there's been a lot of buzz around him initially. I know it was really put on pause because he was with Team USA. But you know, I, if I were to guess right now, I would say LSU. But really, that's more based upon comments that I've seen from D1 Baseball rather than my own insight. Because I would have thought Mississippi State a few days ago, to be perfectly honest. You mentioned you're an Arkansas fan. Arkansas got hit, and they knew it was coming. They got hit hard by the draft. I mean, they mm-hmm. they obviously did some really good evaluations over the last two or three years. Ole Miss has been there before, where you just get you're like, wow, they we we probably over evaluated. We 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 took too many guys that blew up, and you lose them to the the money, and that happened with Arkansas. Uh, they've been super active in the portal. They they you've got them at third behind Georgia and Ole Miss. Uh, what did what needs did Arkansas fill in the portal? What kind of team do you think they could have a year from now? I mean, they lose their entire outfield. Their entire outfield was drafted. Um, really, there's a question mark right now with Peyton Stovall because he just had shoulder surgery. Uh, you lose your um, probably one of the top five left-handed pitchers in college baseball in Hunter Holland. You lose one of your best bullpen players. Uh, you never had Wiggins, uh, so he had Tommy John, so he was out the full year. So there's a number of pieces that aren't coming back, but I think if you were to look at Arkansas a year ago, you would have thought, okay, 2024 is going to be their year because they had Smith and Tiger and Stovall and Diggs and all of these younger individuals who were playing a large part in the 2022 team so the thought process was well you lose a lot from the 22 draft but 24 should really be great and i think that's why also they were really excited about this class is even though you're absolutely right they lost six individuals to the draft they're now going to have the most players from perfect game top 100 in college baseball history in seven so LSU had the record the previous year in six. Now they'll have the uh, the record at seven. So you have a couple of guys, uh, Hockman, I think he, he, there's there's a little bit of debate on whether he had Tommy John. I don't think he did. I think uh, um, it was cleared up that he had a, a different surgery, but the assumption is, does he pitch? But Gagel, they definitely, I have to assume that they thought he was going to be gone. Uh, Helfrick is a catcher. I have to assume like, when they were first getting their class together, they thought probably he was going to be gone. So even though you had individuals like Walker Martin who get $3 million and you absolutely, you know, you pat him on the back, you say, congratulations, like, yeah, go, you'll be great. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, right. yeah, you got individuals that you probably didn't expect to make it on campus. And a number of those individuals are pitchers. And additionally, all of those individuals are three-year players. So 
just a little bit of a backstory, you have to either spend three years in college or be 21 at the time of draft. So any individual that's 19, uh, when they're in high school and the draft is coming, you're like, okay, well, this person's going to be staying two years. They won't be staying the full three years because they'll be a sophomore eligible uh, player. All of the individuals they got were all under 19. Therefore, they'll all be at Arkansas unless they go through the portal for three full years. So it, it's one of those things where I think it's building to where 24 should really be on paper a very good team for them. Um, you've got Hagen Smith, who's pretty much unanimously going to be penciled in as a first round guy uh, for next year. You've got Tiger, Mississippi guy, who it depends upon whether major league programs see him as a relief pitcher or as a starting pitcher. You don't really see a lot of relief pitchers. Uh, the Mississippi State relief pitcher, whose name is escaping me right now, he went, I believe, uh, in the competitive round two years ago. He had Tommy John his last year as well, which was really unfortunate. Um, but you don't really see a lot of relief pitchers going that high. But he started last year after he had his Tommy John scare. So you've got those two individuals. Then you had Mason Molina, who statistically was one of the best power five starting pitchers in the country. So I, I think from a rotation standpoint, this is probably some of the best that Dave's had since like the Nick Schmidt days. Um, uh, Jess Todd, that group was very, very good. I think this could probably mirror that. And that was 10, 15 years ago, somewhere in that ballpark. So your pitching is pretty much set in my opinion. Uh, but the question is, is what are they going to do from a power Um this year, they were down about 35 home runs from their previous year in 2022, and then they lose two-thirds of their home run production. Um, two big ones being Jace Borfin and uh, um, Jared Wagner both went to the pros this year and both hit 15, 16 home runs, I believe, respectively. So you're talking about losing pretty substantial amount of your power, and how do you replace that? And they try doing that ironically with another Wagner uh, from Tarleton State. Uh, I assume he'll be one of their big boppers and I assume Diggs will continue on his trajectory. And then the question is, do you have individuals like Jason Jones, who was another guy that they probably, when they recruited thought there's no way this guy is going to make it to campus actually did. And so he played pretty sparsely as a true freshman, but I believe from the assumptions and from the comments, the thought process is that he'll be a much larger piece for next year. So through the portal, through recruiting, through effectively having individuals that they probably assumed would hope come to a Zenith in 24. I think if someone looked at it, they say 2024 is Arkansas's year, but uh, those people have probably been saying that for Dave for the past 10 years. So we'll see if it actually happens. So one of the teams that I kept hearing a lot about when I would talk to people portal wise was people like, Hey man, watch Texas A&M, just watch them. They're super involved. And, and you kind of saw that happen. You've got them ranked eighth and that's before they get Montgomery if they get Montgomery I would assume their their that ranking is going to go up higher than eight um I just kept hearing from people that they're building an Omaha roster and I mean Schlossnagel's a terrific coach he gets to Omaha practically all the time anyway when you sort of look at what they've uh what they've added to what they have how good do you expect the Aggies to be next year you know one of the, my favorite things I've had with this is I've just really gotten an opportunity to have some great conversations. And honestly, I'm not sure if there's a school that's had better conversations than with Texas A&M. Um, just really 
um, genuine individuals and really like uh, trying to dig more into kind of this aspect and trying to understand more about, hey, how did I come about this? And if they were asking if I thought of players that would be helpful for them. And, you know, it's been really neat to talk with some of their coaches. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I like Schloss. I liked him when he was at TCU. I think he's a great coach. And you look at their freshman pitching from last year, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, so I, I I think they've got the pieces. I mean, they lose a guy like Moss, who has just been uh, a bedrock for their lineup for the past it's few years. Great, not a real a great word for them. Yeah. Yeah. He he's not really been a, a big ISO guy. Uh, you know, you're slugging minus your batting average, but he just he just gets hits and he just gets on base. And that feels like that's the the Schloss kind of formula is your on base percentage. Cause you look at those guys, they hit like 75 foul balls a game and they just seem to always get on base. I, I don't know if, if they teach, they have to teach some crazy two two strike hitting there because it just doesn't seem like they strike out. And so I think he's built a foundation. I think that he's got some coaches around him that are really high caliber guys. And now I think to your point, they're building a, they're building a, a roster that mirrors the effort that they're putting into it. Has this changed your, I know you're, you're an Arkansas fan. You got Baylor ties, all that stuff, but getting to know all of these people, having these conversations, getting the feedback with all these different people where you're talking to them as people and not guys that are wearing uniforms. You know what I mean? Has, has this changed your, your fandom at all? Do you think you, when you're watching games that you're going to view you're going to view different programs differently. Like you're probably sort of a little predisposed to cheer against Texas A&M, for example, but now you've gotten to know some of their people. And so has it, has it changed the way that maybe you'll view games in, in the spring? Uh, absolutely. So I, I kind of in preparation for this, I kind of just was going over the teams that I've talked with and I was just kind of highlighting the ones that like, I really have enjoyed talking to uh, being a Baylor individual. And I graduated in 2010. So kind of around the time in which Baylor's football team started to do well, they also began to mirror TCU. So TCU was really doing well with under Gary Patterson. And there's this big rivalry of who's going to be that fourth team in uh, to the college football playoff. It's going to be TCU's Baylor. And, oh, well, TCU beat Baylor or Baylor beat TCU and therefore head to head, da, 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 da. So there's this big, back and forth and so the general consensus was you know Baylor good TCU bad yeah and TCU uh Sarlis has been just uh, again talking about really getting to like talk with individuals and getting to know uh the person behind the jersey so to speak it's <laughs> been phenomenal really getting to like talk with them and uh really understand kind of like their viewpoints and TCU is probably the school I've talked the most with. Isn't that um, funny? So, and so you were kind of predisposed uh, to dislike them. They knocked out yeah. your team in the, in the NCAA tournament, and now you, you have sort of an, a, an affinity for them. Yeah. I, uh, one of the first comments, so he followed me. And so one thing that I was kind of doing initially, I would just be like, hey, thanks for the follow. If you want an edible format, let me know. And so effectively, I was giving the coaches, hey, right now I'm just providing this view document because I don't want Joe Schmo to go in there and mess up the formulas. I'm not going to make it edible. But hey, if you want an editable document, I'll provide it for you and I can like talk through it and da 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 da. So you had some cool schools like Kansas, uh, their player development. Uh, we got on the phone, did a Zoom call very similar to this, and I just walked through the entire thing. And that was a ton of fun because I'm a baseball stats nerd. 
and it was a lot of fun talking with other baseball stats nerds. But um, talking with TCU, one of the first things I said was, I was like, hey, just want to say it was phenomenal, the approach that you all had, because you could tell someone told them sit outside fastball and slider and just hit it other way. Uh, when their individual had the three home run game, and I think he had like 12 RBIs, like set all the records, every swing was exactly the same. It was a low and outside fastball or slider, and he hit it over the right field fence. And so it, it was, you could tell that they went into it saying, we're not going to look inside pitch whatsoever. We're just going to look away and we're going to hit away. And they did, and they crushed them. And they didn't just crush, you know, midweek pitching. They crushed the individual we talked about who was generally seen as going to be a first round pick. Yeah, Higgins, so yeah. exactly. So I, I, I kind of gave them that kudos. And from that, it was just kind of fun to just have a, a, a good relationship with them. But uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas, uh, Indiana had wonderful things to say, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, and it's also been a lot of fun to talk to smaller schools. Uh, UC San Diego uh, had a really good conversation with them. And they were talking about kind of like some of their scholarship limitations and what they're having to do to kind of finagle at the portal. Uh, Charlotte was really, really interesting because uh, one of the individuals there is from Northwest Arkansas. And so he just kind of like asked who I was. I was like, yeah, this is me. And this is where I'm from. And he's like, I'm from 10 minutes where you grew up. And so yeah. it was just very serendipitous. And so it was to your point, I found myself saying like, hey, even though Auburn is in the SEC West, I've really liked talking with an individual from Auburn. Uh, I'm rooting for them to maybe pull out Holman because I know Auburn was also in that race for a little bit. So it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, and it's really, to your point, kind of opened my eyes beyond fandom and more towards, uh, I guess, relationships. Yeah, it's it's really one of the cool sports. I I don't chase does such a good job covering it that I'd use my energies elsewhere, but sometimes I kind of miss covering it because it's one of the sports, you know, if you look at in college sports today, football, just about every program, maybe there's some exceptions, but there aren't many. They're pretty locked down from an access standpoint. You don't get to talk to anybody. And uh, when you do, it's real coach speak and everything's very secretive and, and guarded and almost paranoid, frankly. I mean, that's really the word for it. It's paranoid. It's, it's, I could go off on a diatribe here and, and, and ruin our conversation, but, the paranoia of college football is bizarre. Uh, I'll say that and then let it be. And then with basketball, it's not anywhere near as paranoid, but it's so much more coach centric. And so you get to talk to the coaches a lot. The players, there, there's so much turnover with players that you never really get to know the players because they're in in a year and they're out in a year. <laughs> Baseball, you get the best of both worlds because you get a lot of players that are there for like, you know, Jacob Gonzalez was here for three years. Tim Elko was here for five years. Uh, you know, guys are here for a long time. Peyton Stovall's be at Arkansas for his third year. You get, you know, guys that have been at multiple places. And then the coaches have personalities, and you don't have the paranoia for the most part. There aren't many paranoid college baseball programs. For the most part, hey, you want to cover us? Come on out. You get to talk to the guys. You can talk. Coaches will talk to you. They, It's baseball. You know, they'll, 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 they'll talk. It's baseball talking to reporters and stuff is sort of part of the culture of baseball. If you look at major league baseball, you meet with reporters before the game, you meet with reporters after the game, you build relationships over the course of a season. And so I sometimes feel like I get cheated out of that a little bit because it might've been my favorite thing to cover uh, back in my mainstream media days when I was covering, you know, Auburn for, for Mobile, I always enjoyed Hal Baird and then 
you know, Steve Renfro and those guys, it was always just kind of fun to cover that. So I, I can imagine some of the conversations that you had because there's, and there's also not this, um, there's not this, still baseball's getting bigger and obviously Omaha's a big deal, but the sport itself, it has yet to go like mainstream media from start to finish. Like, you know, when the season starts in the middle of February, we're talking about basketball, we're getting ready oh, yeah. for the NCAA tournament and stuff like that. And then um, even to some degree down here, when the basketball season ends, baseball sharing time with spring football, even, you know, mm -hmm. with some reporters and stuff. So I don't know, I, I, I guessed, and you verified it, that you probably got to talk to some people and build some relationships with guys that that uh in another sport would probably never talk to you and and in this sport they're they're picking your brain and enjoying the conversation too i mean i'll be perfectly blunt i have no idea why they were talking with me i oh I, I always thought it as like a, a really neat opportunity to kind of talk with other rivals fans rivals like rivals.com and say hey you know old miss individuals do you think this would be neat I never thought it would be, hey, Ole Miss baseball coach, let me know if you need a third baseman. And that's not like that conversation happened, but it was it, it's an arbitrary example of another scenarios that happened with other teams. So I, I never anticipated it would be something like that. And I don't know if it's because of what you're talking about with the transparency of the sport. Like, you know, I, I think two years ago when Ole Miss won it, there was like 2 million people who watched uh, Omaha, like 1.5, 2 million, but this year, and I, and because it was LSU and a Florida, two large programs, I think it was like three and a half million. So you had this pretty astronomical jump in viewership. And I, I, for me, I, I didn't expect that there was this void that had yet to be filled. It was more of, I thought I was adding an additional piece that would be fun for you know, a nerd like myself to look at. I didn't think it was uh, a resource that coaches would find valuable. Um, so it's it's been a lot of fun. And to your point about, you know, the paranoia of the game or like the 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 tight and like nature of it. And you know, I think a little bit goes to a little bit of the camaraderie of the sport, which may sound a little cheesy, but I mean, you look at Bianco. Uh, if he was Ole Miss's football coach he probably would have been fired, you know, two, three years back. I mean, I think yeah. the whole thing was, well, all he does is get to the super regional. Like he never goes to Omaha and then boom, he wins the national championship. Um, I, it's one of those things where I think there's a little bit of stability within the programs and a little bit of camaraderie within the league as a whole that I think provides a little more laxed feel to it in addition to the fact that regardless of the fact that 3 million people are watching it, there was this void of the coaches were kind of flying blind. Like they were hoping to understand what was in the portal or they weren't sure. Um, and the portal itself as with pretty much everything to do with the NCAA just isn't structured very well. And so they were looking for ultimately from what I found was a structured manner to search and to find pieces that they needed for their team. And I didn't think that I was providing that, but over time it kind of became apparent that it was. Yeah. It's obvious that you did. You, you, you were, you provided a, a 
asset for them, a, a vehicle for them to get information. And then, um, and then they found that you knew what you were talking about. And like you said, baseball nerds like to talk to other baseball nerds. And, and, um, and then I think, I think your lack of, um, of bias and your kind of open-mindedness to, to what was happening was, was a probably something that they saw also. And once they saw that they, in any defensiveness went away. And so a lot of the information flow picked up and you did a great job with it. It's been a really cool story. I've enjoyed following it and had a lot of fun talking to you today. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess one last thing before you go, I, you're talking about lack of bias. One of the funny our stories, and I won't put a team name associated with it, but there's a very high recruit and that recruit's father reached out to me. He was like, Hey, you know, what you're doing is like pretty fun. And we kind of just talked about the stats, yada, yada, yada. And then that team reached out to me and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, well, you know, like, good luck with this player. Like, I hope you are. And, and then he's like, oh, well, can I have your number? I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, you know, here's my number. Da, da, da. And he basically, he was trying to, like, vet me. And it was, it was really interesting because I was trying my best to not go, I promise I'm not this individual who's trying to play matchmaker. I'm more <laughs> yeah. of just an individual who found themselves, like, being communicated to in a few different ways and don't worry like i'm not trying to mess with your team uh so that that was that was one of the fun conversations to have when which effectively i was trying to convey that i wasn't this um super fan for this team that i wasn't even a fan of that team and i was trying to ultimately uh push the player or not push the player towards that team see to my point in, in had that been football they would have never believed you there was yeah. there, there would have been no convincing them that you were not uh, actively involved in the recruiting process and that you were trying to steer someone to somewhere because there was something in it for you. There's a zero chance that a football coach would have believed you. It was pretty interesting on the call. He's like, so I hear you're talking to his dad. And I could, I could hear the inflection. <laughs> I could hear the inflection. And I was like, listen, like, he reached out to me. I was trying to be kind and we talked and he was very open and he was just talking to me about his, the son, his son's process. And I was like, well, this is neat. I didn't yeah. see it as I was uh, sitting in on a table that I wasn't supposed to be. It was more of, I was just having a conversation with an individual, <laughs> but to your point, you know, I, I, I think there is, even though there is some lacks associated with college baseball, there's always going to be a little bit of paranoia of, Hey, uh, this is, this was a very high, uh, this was an individual in the top 20. And so this is an individual that was being coveted by many, many programs. And so I was trying to effectively convey that, hey, don't worry, I'm, I'm not trying to play matchmaker here. It's more of I was just talking to a dad that liked my stuff. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Jason, thanks a lot. Good luck with the, uh, with the baby. And um, hopefully you do this again next year. We can kind of follow it along. Yeah, should be fun. Hoping to make it better, and I appreciate the time. And uh, you know, always open to try to make things better and discuss sports. So, whenever anyone wants to, just let me know. Reach out. All right, enjoy the rest of your summer. Have a great weekend. I appreciate it. you as well. That was Jason Ratcliffe. Appreciate his time today on uh, Henry's Guys and the Oxford Exxon Podcast. That wraps up a week of podcast for us here at MPW Digital. Thanks to all of you who participated in our streams, who listened to our shows. There's a lot out there. McCready and Siski, the Josh Hendrickson show, Mind on My Money. Uh, Chase will be back on Monday. We'll have uh, another week of podcasts starting on Monday morning with the Oxford Exxon podcast as we get ready. 
for the start of preseason camp. Uh, tentatively, we're scheduled to have the uh, local media day for Ole Miss football on Wednesday, which probably means camp begins sometime thereafter. Thursday would be my, my guess. That's But third has long been the rumor, so that would be my guess is that it's coming on the third. So we'll have coverage uh, starting um, Wednesday for the uh, upcoming football season. Again, I'll be out at uh, the recruiting event later today. Uh, trying to bring some recruiting coverage to uh, rebelgrove.com. So until then, thanks again to Jason for his time on the show, and we'll be back with you on Monday with the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Have a great weekend. Take care.